Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds. So great to have you. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine. You know him. You love him. He's our NHL guy. He's Sean Shapiro, keeping an eye on the World Juniors, keeping an eye on the Stars. I mean, just the hockey's rolling in the Shapiro household, a busy time of year. It is, it is. And it's, uh, should we be waving the... Uh... Obviously, still work to be done. Obviously, but should yeah. be. I mean, still work to be done on the in, in World Junior. But we, uh, after uh, the can the Canadians lost the Czechs yesterday in the quarterfinals in a bit of a stunner. Should we? Uh, we should all be uh, getting ready to uh, celebrate. I think something on Friday, hopefully. So still work to be done, but uh, it's a good time for American hockey. And um, there's something that feels a little sweet about the American team winning World Juniors because. Um, it's like the, when the Canadians win and everything like that, Americans pretend we don't care, but when Canadians win, they can't pretend they don't care because yeah. they really care. So yeah, I, I responded to a tweet from Jessica Pauls yesterday and she said, and I wanted to get your opinion before we jump into the stars performance last night against Montreal. Um, she says, and she posted two pictures. Thrilled to share my new prize possession, a signed Mike Ruzioni jersey, a photo capturing his iconic winning goal. Grateful for the kindness of this amazing man. This piece of history is beyond words. It's not just memorabilia. It's a lifelong treasure. I responded, congrats, Jessica, as important. The Ruzioni family is well known for being great humans. I've never actually mentioned this on his podcast. I know Mike's brother, Vincent. He's the director of athletics at my alma mater and a real, real nice guy. Uh, so I just said stick, t- stick tap on your lifelong treasure. But I did add USA Hockey thrives because of Mike and his 1980 teammates. 
Now, I know it was a long time ago, Sean, and I know that a lot of players today wouldn't know necessarily about 1980 unless they watched Miracle as a kid, uh, Miracle on Ice. But at the same time, like, I really felt as though that kind of kick-started the whole support of USA hockey as far as nationalism. And I wanted to get your kind of take on that. Oh, I mean, this is so much like the movie Miracle actually does a really great job with yeah. all of this because it's, um, no, I wasn't, I didn't witness this live. I'm not that old, so I'm not going to pretend, but I've read, my history, I've, I've, I've read my, I've read my history and I've, I've, I've done, um, consider myself uh, well read on the subject. Like the thing that, the thing that 19, that the USA, at USA hockey had in the 198 with the 1980s with the 1980 olympics and everything like that um i think it sometimes gets lost it gets lost if you just think of all oh, the united states it's it's such a great it's it's a great story already when you say oh it's a bunch of amateurs who beat basically professionals for gold medal because that's yep. basically what it was it was college players amateurs and the russians were were professionals um and so it's already a good enough story but that undersells how big it really was, Gavin, right? Because it wasn't just a hockey game. It was the height of the Cold War. Yes. It was the, historically speaking, it was... Um, we're talking lines at gas stations. Yeah, yeah. There's, we're, we're, we're talking... Talk, morale yeah. was really low. We're talking yeah. about hostage crises with Iran. Just a lot of stuff happening at that time. Yeah, so it's the it's the flash it's it's kind of the flashpoint of history for everything where kind of athletic endeavor can kind of be that shining light that things in the united states were going to turn around right yeah and i think that that's something that is gets lost on what uh we we don't get that in hockey as much anymore right a, because um, a because international hockey doesn't happen as often now. Um, that we used to have uh, every year. I like to. I always like seeing the clips that come out from the 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 video clips that come out from the nineteen seventy nine or sorry, not seventy nine. What year was the? Uh, was it seventy six? The, the the New Year's Eve game between the Canadians and the and 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 red army that was arguably one of the greatest games ever yes like, yeah like we we used to get like international hockey used to hold a lot more and yeah. there used to be more unknown and the world is such a connected place and everything like that and so um at the end of the day and i think we still get this in some other sports like um i think there's because soccer for example is such a global sport and you have teams on even playing fields and everything like you get moments like this that are still possible but in hockey right um and this is nothing against the ukrainian like hockey program but at no point are the ukrainians going to beat the russians in hockey just like this there's just not yeah there's not that kind of reality to it so um that 1980 team i think it's it's a really uh I don't think it's lost. I think everyone knows about it, but right. I think the farther away we get from it, the more we kind of, the other important parts of it, as opposed yeah. to, oh, the U.S. won a gold medal. 
Right. It was a gold medal that meant so much more. And I think what it meant kind of sometimes gets lost as we keep going forward because it meant more to everyone than just to what it meant to USA Hockey um, and, and, and things like that, if, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I love what you said about amateur versus pro. A lot of people need to know that a tour happened prior to that and the USA team got walloped by Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it wasn't even close. And I think what for me made it the ultimate team concept is now years later, I look back and this is not disparaging to me, which was the greatest group, uh, like a single team formed maybe in the history of our American sports, as far as what they were able to accomplish against all odds, that further is enhanced by really, it's not like 10 of them made a huge NHL run. Basically, Neil Broughton probably was the best NHLer of the bunch. I know Dave Silk played some. Um you know, Jim Craig had a little bit of run with the Atlanta Flames, played for the Bruins for a little bit. But, I mean, really, there weren't really, like, NHL future all-stars on this team. Yeah, um, like, I don't think, um, like, let's see. Because, like, you mentioned Irizioni, right? Like, Irizioni yes. did not play, I don't think he played a single pro no, hockey game. He like, that's, that, that's a piece of, like, quote-unquote, bar trivia where I think you would stump somebody. Where, yes. like, Mike Urizioni's last competitive hockey he played was for the U.S. Olympic team. Yes. He never played a... He, he never played after that. And um, the... I mean, I would say probably... Obviously, Broughton has his number retired in, in Dallas. Um, Ken Morrow was, was, was one who... It wasn't a superstar, but Ken Morrow was had Ken Morrow had a won four Stanley Cups with the Islanders. I think he he was one, he, but he wasn't a superstar player. He was just right. kind of a, one of a, one of the rocks on that team. Um, so the other thing that was kind of interesting about that team, and it's something that why that team came together, and I think the movie Miracle does a really good job of showing this story and kind of. We see now, and it's funny because this is around the time of World Junior and, and everything like that, right? Like these international teams get thrown together, and then they, uh, they, they, they get thrown together, and then they just, uh, they, 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 they come together for these tournaments and they play and everything like that, right? Um, the it was normal in the eighties and even in the nineties that you would have it, the Canadian national team and the American national team would be full season teams that would play the whole year um, leading up to the event. So it was a full team together. Like um, the, like, for example, they make a big, um, if you go and watch the, you'll watch miracle, right? There's the uh, is there's Ralph, there's Ralph, Ralph Cox right he's the guy with the he's got the classic 80s mustache in the movie right and he's the last he's the last cut that's not going to lake placid right people don't realize and i just looked this up ralph cox played 31 games with team usa that year this wasn't just hey you're getting the last cut out of camp like you spent an entire year with this team this team played team usa played 66 games that year 
So I think that sometimes gets lost too. When that team was built, it wasn't just, oh, it's a built team of college kids built from um, team of college guys built uh, and that just came together in February. It was built over the long run. Um, and that's something that just in today's day and age, we'll never get again. We'll never get yep. that type of team building for international hockey ever again. It's just not reality. They'll never have the time for that. And um, I really hope you have a way to get me back on track here, Gavin. No, I'm just like, I, I also I'm just, just going I, deep. Yeah, I mean, so. it's really, it's really funny because we talk about guys, you know, not being in the NHL uh, from yep. that team, which made it special. I mean, our own co-host here, 17 years in the league, two times Stanley cup winner, Craig Ludwig was cut from that team. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, he says because he did it because he was partying all weekend uh, during, <laughs> during the trials. But it, it was definitely special. And I'm glad we could go back. Um, but you're right. I think it's special what USA Hockey is doing now. I think it's mm -hmm. arguable that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, this is one of the great moments for USA hockey, both at the pro and amateur level right now, as far as when you look at the superstars or elite talent, many are from this country and many are from this country, like Jason Robertson from California, like yeah. uh, Austin Matthews from Arizona. I mean, they're not your typical, because when we looked at that 1980 team, one of the things that made Herb Brooks so great was, Basically, in those days, you played college hockey in the New England area, mostly in Boston, or Michigan and Minnesota, and mm -hmm. they hated each other, and those yep. were the rivals. And so to take kids from Michigan and Minnesota with Boston kids or New England kids, it just normally wouldn't mesh, and it did. Yeah. The interesting thing with USA Hockey in the long run, Gavin, and I think it's something that um, I think the the well versed hockey fan knows, but it's it's the spot where like Mike Madano is not the highest scoring American of all time. Ooh, I know yes. as much as like it's it's something where it's like it's 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 celebrated, but there's the reason that we always have to throw the modifier in there of the highest highest scoring American born player because Brett Hull was American. Brett yep. Holt had a, had a dual passport, chose to play for the Americans, and Brett Holt scored more points than Mike Madano. He had yeah. more he had more goals than Mike Madano. Brett Holt was the, like, and um, it's just, it's kind of, it will be, it'll be nice, right? And it'll, it'll take a long time for, for history and tens and fifteens of years for it to go, but it'll be, for the longest time, the, le the leading goal scorer in... American hockey history was a someone who was Canadian born. When that person, when in the future, the Austin Matthews, the Jason Robertsons of the world are in the top 10 lists for these like all time points for Americans, that's going to, to me, kind of, is going to kind of show that just more of the long-term growth of the game from Canadians who happen to have parents who are American and stuff like that. Like, and I'm not trying to like, crap on USA hockey. It's just, it's just the reality of yeah. the, the sport is it's obviously it's come a long way and it's great. And there's so many, as you said, there's so many Hughes brothers, the uh, Jason Robertson's of the world. Uh, right. Um, but there is something to be said about until someone, until someone passes Brett Holt, the person 
who scored the most points with an American passport wasn't born in the United States. And not, not that you have to be born in the United States to be an American. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's, I love that we're seeing because of, let's give the Arizona Coyotes credit. Austin Matthews exists as a hockey player because of them. Yes. The, the LA Kings credit because of Jason Robertson. Um, there's uh, four kids on this USA World Junior team right now who grew up playing hockey in Florida. These are hockey talents, elite athletes that aren't playing the sport in right. a prior generation. Right. And it's a great thing to see. Yeah, so. you're no, you're absolutely right. I mean, just even here locally, Sean, the the Jones brothers. I mean, the dad was in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be the path, but yeah. you know, yep. they saw hockey, liked hockey. And, yep. you know, Blake Coleman's another great example. Uh so I, you know, I, I definitely I know you said get back on track. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. We will. But to me, it's like a big part of this podcast is the education level um, that we like to talk about things. And, yeah, we are stars focused. However, you know, USA hockey is a massive part of the growth of this sport. Specifically, I'm going to point out college hockey, which is thriving right now. And you're seeing college hockey in these really cool, unique stadiums popping up on these campuses. And it's becoming the thing to go to. Uh, for the kids and, you know, around the holidays, I went to see Boston University, Quinnipiac, amazing atmosphere and amazing hockey. I mean, granted, they're two of the top five in the country, but it was just a special atmosphere. And and, and I'm just so glad that, you know, hockey is being able to thrive, whether it's minors, whether it's nationalism or whether it's in the college ranks. And we're seeing, you know, the just the massive amount of growth in the youth levels. So. It's a pretty interesting conversation. So, sir, yeah. I'm glad we went down that rabbit hole and <laughs> yeah. we go to the stars last night. So they were on a run and we talked a lot, Sean, last year about, well, you know, over time, you know, everything's going to change with the regular season. Well, there was a streak going where the stars were certainly putting on a show for the locals where they were winning in overtime in thrilling fashion, sometimes in the final seconds. Uh, almost got it to overtime last night, but uh, fell a little bit short. They were down four to one. All of a sudden, pot two late goals. It's four to three. About you know two three minutes left. A lot of you know frantic mayhem in front of the net, and uh, fall a, a goal short. So wanted to get your thoughts uh, last night, but I did want to open with this question because I think presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Stars fans, hockey fans, and I sometimes wonder this last night because we talk a lot about this podcast, like why can't they come out flying? Well, 11 seconds, they did. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... They okay, and who, who, who scored and 11 Jamie seconds? Van, yes. who, 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 do we always talk, who do we always put the blame and or credit on for this team starting slow? So let's no, uh, you're, give, you're, credit, give credit where it's due for who came out flying last night. Right. So. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So I did want to point out really something. I mean, we talk about a rabbit hole. And I'm not saying that yeah. this was the reason. But they score that goal. They're playing well. And then 1642. So, you know, we're just under oh, bad math by me, uh, 320 something um, in the opening. There was a delay where the clock wasn't working, and it was a bit of a delay. And I felt after that, like Miami kind of shifted, uh, Miami, geez, Montreal kind of shifted the flow. And I'm not <laughs> saying that's the only reason, but I don't know. I mean, I just felt as though, like, 
at the end, and this is what I wanted to ask you. At the end, it's frantic. They score two goals. They're dominating. Do you sometimes think like we do? Like, why can't they do this for larger stretches of the game? Um, at times. I mean, there are, for me, hockey can be weird, right? And this is not just about the stars. This is just hockey in general, where it's, there is, there's a time in the game and this is to take nothing away from Dallas did at the end of the game. I don't want to take away from what Dallas did. But there is a time in the game that happens where one team starts to play the score too much. And I felt, in my view of that game watching last night, the Canadians got the Caulfield goal from that made it 4-1 with, uh, at what, about seven minutes into the third period, something yeah. like that. Um, and they and and uncharacteristically not uncharacteristically but they started playing to okay we've gotten the goals we need four one is enough we just now need to survive 13 minutes we don't need to keep playing our same game so i i don't want to take anything away from what dallas did in the third period but i also think there is something to the montreal dial back in the in the end and um, so I, I do, I do think there's an element to that. Um, I think the, the clock stoppage delay, everything like that, that does lead to, that leads to, that can cause a, a hurdle to get over and everything like that. Um, I, it, it's, it's funny, like this game, this was a classic kind of hockey game where you watched the you watch the first two minutes and you watch the last two minutes and that was all you watched. You'd be, you'd come away thinking Dallas must have been gangbusters all night. And yes. then there's the middle, the middle 56 minutes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, um, this is an interesting concept, Gavin, when it taught, when you talk about why can't they do this for 16? And I think the answer, and this applies to all of hockey, not just the stars you can't do anything at 100% for 60 minutes. That's a fair you point, yeah. You, you can't empty the tank. Like, like the the vigor and the ferocity you, you, you bring in the last five minutes of the third period. It's like a marathon. You bring that all in the first period. If you don't score five goals in the first five minutes, you've blown all your energy and you're going to get just you're just going to get slowly yeah. beat, beaten down for the net for the final 55 minutes so I, I i think part of it is we have to remember that these are humans not robots i think sometimes we forget that um but it's uh the time to dial it in the time to when to rise to the occasion is always an interesting question now i i don't think i've answered any question at all i've just thrown more questions on top of questions I, but that's what this is all about isn't it i well i think that's what if you look at last night sure um good goaltending from the montreal side but yeah. at the same time my contention with the stars is that obviously highly skilled but what happens when the passes aren't happening. Like I just, and I keep going back to the Vegas example. 
If Vegas can beat you on defense, Vegas can beat you goaltending, Vegas can beat you physicality, and Vegas can certainly outscore you. And I just wonder, like, how many do the Stars have those various skill sets where if one isn't working, they can just turn to another? Well, I don't think they'll ever be the team that beats someone up. That's that's yeah. never that's not how this team is constructed. They're not going to beat teams up. I think they are good enough defensively to hunker down and win a defensive game. I actually think they are. I know some people might disagree with me on that, but I think I think with that and a healthy goalie, um, that's the other thing that's kind of weird with all of this, right? Where last night's game, and not that Scott Wedgwood was bad, right? But this game could have been this like. Yeah, I I agree with you. I like know. like this is this this is one of those games where the sliding scale of if they lose this they lose this four game four three with Scott Wedgwood in goal and I have nothing against Scott Wedgwood but like Scott Wedgwood is a backup goalie who has done admirably filling in but okay this if Jake Ottinger plays this game I think the Stars I think I think the Stars win this game yeah probably maybe three one four one even like I I don't I don't think they're ever down four one. Like, I, I think that's another kind of sliding scale we have to remember. And I know people say, oh, you use the goalie as an excuse. The goalie is this or whatever. The goalie is part of the team. Yes. And I, I I think it's the sliding scale of equations and, and, and equal footing and everything like that. And Sam Montebu, for example, I think Sam Montebu is a fine young goalie. I think he's going to have a nice little run here. It's going to be interesting to see how they eventually – dismount from their three goalie system in Montreal but yeah. like I would take Jake Ottinger any day of the week over the three Montreal goalies and um so I, I think we have to remember that too of who was in net because um it's it's the great example of what is climate and what is weather right um let's use Vegas for example because everyone in Dallas loves to point to what Vegas does effectively and everything like that um, Vegas lost the Winter Classic on Monday, three nothing. Yes, Joey Decord played a great game. I don't know how many people don't even know who Joey Decord is. I'm sure some people can use context clues that Joey Decord is the goalie for the Seattle Kraken, yeah. but I don't know how many people actually know who Joey Decord is. Yep. I don't see any, or I mean, I haven't been able to find any referendums of failure by Vegas coverage. It's they lost one game. Yeah. And I think there's times we have to remember you lost one game and you did it without your starting goalie. And that's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, and I keep going back to this and um, I think hockey is such a regional and localized sport that we forget. We, we don't know what's good and what's bad, right? Like I think sometimes we see people, stars fans will get like, Oh my gosh, we have these problems and this problem and that problem. There are some teams that would kill to have the stars problems. Believe me. They would kill to be as flawed as the Stars. Stars are seven two and one in their last ten. They have, they they've got a, they are ten four and three on the road. Like th- these are the types of things that like any team would kill for, and points like this is a good hockey team. And sometimes I feel, and I'm not trying to be a slappy and a homer or anything like that, but I think sometimes we need to stop back and enjoy the ride and realize that sometimes on the ride, the roller coaster of a season, there are, you run into a dip and a twist and twirl. That is a Sam Montague playing a great game when this is a damn good hockey team. 
This is a, this is a hockey team that almost that I would argue 26 other fan bases would would willingly trade places with you right now. And I'm not trying to be a star slappy or a homer about it, but I think sometimes we start looking for problems that aren't there. We talk about the real problems. You and I, I feel like we do a good job of talking about that, but sometimes we talk about the problems that aren't there because we feel like we have to be, oh, we have to be tough and critical when sometimes it's hockey and it's chaotic. And honestly, no team should be winning. No team should be posting a 667 points percentage in a sport this chaotic. Yet the stars are. I, I, it's 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 very it's an interesting place to be and it's a to me it's a good reflection of how good this team is right now at the same time yeah i hope that all made sense once again it this, does. Is, this it, is this this is one of those episodes where at the end gavin i'm gonna be like i don't even know if i said anything worthwhile <laughs> in this entire episode so, <laughs> at sean shapiro and tell him otherwise uh, but I, I i will say i think one of the one of the good things is is when you see so much passion per game that means the popularity here in Dallas. Yes, yes, that is good. great. That is that, great. Yes, that is yes, really yes, good. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely.